Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let me, um, I, I don't know how to comment on uh, Ron DeSantis' launch of his pres- of his presidential campaign, except to say it it, it was a failure. It, it was a mess. And you don't want to see a mess when your uh, candidate is uh, running for president. you got to figure he's not a mess. So it was a mistake to do Twitter. It was a mistake to do it the way he did it, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think it really matters. I really don't. I don't think it matters. I think it matters much more uh, how he will be perceived, uh, how he is going to do things. I He has a conservative record. He's going to run on that. But then it's personality contest, as I said the other day. And uh, But here's one thing I want to point out to you. Um, I mentioned yesterday, I think it was on the program, that in order to run for president, in order to have a chance in, in the primary, Republican primary, which I know better, you, you have to have uh, $50 million at least. So right now, there's only a few people that have the ability to run deep into the election, into this primary season. Trump is one. DeSantis is one. Uh, if another governor got in, like I like Abbott, he could probably raise that money. I think Tim Scott has 25 or $30 million. He's got a shot to be in that neighborhood, but that's about it. I mean, it's just not easy to do. And there's no real, I don't see any self funders who are coming in off the sidelines that would write a check. You know, they talk about Yunkin may be willing at some point, but I don't think Yunkin, I think he's the, uh, I think he's the safety valve. If something dramatic happened and, and Trump couldn't run, uh, and by then DeSantis was damaged, which is what's going to happen to him, I think, uh, then maybe Yunkin comes in and he has money. He has a, I don't know, $750 million. He could spend some of his own, but, but here's what I want to point out. Where's that money go? And I was with a guy this morning, and he made this comment. He said, DeSantis has around him all the usual consultant class, and they're getting paid lots and lots of money, and they will get paid lots of money until, you know, the carcass is is cold. Um, and, uh, and my point here is, this is this business of, of, um, of campaigns, primary, presidential primaries, it is a massive business. We're talking about, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars being spent and ultimately billions being spent in the presidential race in media, in consulting, in direct mail, in uh, tourism, effectively visiting, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, et cetera. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars initially, billions total. There's a lot of interest in making sure that you have a horse race because a horse race means that there are two or three or four candidates that are worthy of your attention. And therefore they're going to get enough uh, uh, attention that they're going to be in it longer and they're going to be spending money and they're going to be creating conflict. And that's going to be worth covering. So you can guarantee Mike Pence is going to run and he's going to have a chunk of money. Mike Pence has raised, I don't know, $20 million. He'll be able to raise some money. So you're going to have people who get in the race who are 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 going to be uh um uh raising enough money to keep the, the the horse race going because why? Because the media, 
because the consultants, because the lawyers, because the tourism industry, because the economies, not small economies, not a million dollars in travel to Iowa, hundreds of millions of dollars in TV, radio, travel, uh, mail, everything else, and consultants are invested. So DeSantis, I think DeSantis will be diminished really quickly in, a, in probably a month or two. I don't see him taking off, but he may well, he may well be uh, in it longer because it's in the nature of the uh, of of the market to want more horse race and more candidates to go deeper. I wouldn't be surprised by that. So it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. A lot of money invested. A lot of money spent. And um, the one thing my friend also said is a lot of the donors don't understand how the system works, and they throw tens of millions of dollars these big wealthy donors into systems into a system that's not going to s- succeed, and they don't know it. And they're really being uh, sold a bill of goods. And I think that's also right. When you, when I was close to the system as a uh, chairman of the Missouri Republican Party and therefore on the Republican National Committee, it, it was surprising to me to see how the inside worked and how, um, clearly, how noticeably ignorant people were that were investing in it, donor types and others. They just didn't know how it worked and they were being, they wanted to, they either wanted to do good. They didn't make the country better, or they wanted to influence things, the ego. But either way, they were falling for uh, a trick, a sales trick. So, all right, that's what you know. That's what you need to know today. Just DeSantis is going to bring a lot of money in. He's going to be around for a while, otherwise underwhelming. And uh, be right back. Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. We'll talk with John Schlafly and, uh, in just a moment. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf, who for, well, now about two or three years has really been one of the leaders uh, across the world in talking about what she was seeing. She's, of course, famously, uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf, she's famously an author, a professor, a best-selling uh, author and columnist, and uh, all the kinds of credentials. She's also the f- co-founder and the CEO of DailyClout.io, which is a civic tech company. And so she's long Long been, we were talking off the air, someone who would go anywhere and speak and, and had her wits about her and had her style about her, very effective. And now I saw her last uh, few days ago at the Council for National Policy. Uh, but in some ways, she's talking about positions that are different than traditionally you would say uh, Naomi Wolf was talking about. But first, Naomi Wolf, welcome back to the program. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more or summarize for our listeners? Because I got a question about it. Your civic tech company, dailycloud.io, how'd you get there? What does it do? How is it working in a world where big tech, and we'll talk about that, tries to silence lots of voices? Yeah, thank you for asking. So um, it really came out of my experience as a political consultant, yes, for uh, Clinton's <laughs> re-election campaign and for right. Gore 2000. Of course, you know, it's all been part of my journey to now being totally nonpartisan and just caring about the Constitution. But when I was, you know, in those kind of halls of power, I saw that people what of whatever background, uh, whatever political persuasion are really kept out of the legislative process very intentionally. And this is this was on the left and the right. I mean, you know, there was big oil, big defense, uh, you know, big, big NRA sitting on the right and big trial lawyers, big pharma, certainly big education sitting on the left and really trying to do deals without um, 
ordinary people being able to even see or understand the legislation. So I knew that I had to start a company that had a digital component because, you know, that's the only way to get information people widely these days. And so we launched BillCam and Daily Clout. BillCam is a legislative database that lets you um, search any state or federal bill and share it through social media. Hmm. So you can see what's in the bill. You can take action on it. You can tweet the sponsor, tweet your representative. And it's very, you know, it makes legislation very transparent and it gives people a lot of power to really move the dial. We've been really successful um, empowering people to change bills or stop bills or move bills forward or, you know, educate people about about bills using this technology. And then we've just launched something amazing that I'll happily give you a demo of, you know, anytime you want, yeah, which yeah. is called Communities. And it's a Facebook competitor, basically, but without the surveillance and data harvesting and censorship. Mm. And so you can start any community around any bill or anything. And it gives, um, you know, small candidates without huge budgets a way to reach all their constituents or possible voters. It gives small publishers or, you know, small news outlets, smaller you know, mm-hmm. uh, yep. across the country, a way to reach their audiences. Basically, anyone who wants to start a community can do so using all the functionalities of Facebook. Hmm. Okay, Clout, uh, we'll, we'll make sure. Uh, dailyclout.io, and I'll learn more about it. I'd love to talk about it. I think there's a lot of a, a lot of people, not just conservatives, a lot of people that are saying, hey, get me places where I know you're not going to harvest my data, but also you're not going to uh, uh, influence everything I'm doing. We're talking with Dr. Naomi Wolf. Of course, she's really famous, too, by the way, for uh, many best-selling uh, books, but including The Beauty Myth, Give Me Liberty, and The End of America. Um, so let me slide over now to where we are today. One of the things that flagged me to talk with you now was didn't even know I'd see you at CNP, but um, that you're you're again even now even today there's uh, in the UK the their version I don't know is it the dif- disinformation b- board over there we got we Correct. sort of got rid of ours is targeting you still I thought you sort right. of I thought you sort of proved <laughs> I thought you were sort of right on a whole bunch of stuff don't they let you up now and they say Naomi Wolf who we thought was wrong but now she actually turns out to be right she's got something <laughs> to say you're still being targeted tell us about this yeah I mean really the more right. I am proven to be the more targeted. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. really what's happening. So literally, you know, your audience may know, and if not, I'll share with them. Um, we started a project at Daily Cloud with, uh, in partnership with um, Steve Bannon's War Room to call, you know, issue a call for um, medical and scientific experts to join us in or join together in reading through and explaining what was in the Pfizer documents, these 55,000 documents released under court order. Um by a successful lawsuit by Aaron Siri. Mm-hmm. And these are documents that the uh, the FDA asked the court to keep hidden for 75 years. Well, now we know why. And just very, very briefly, they document the greatest crime against humanity in history. I mean, unbelievable harms against human beings that they knew about, murders, um, sterilizations, uh, you know, maiming, um, strokes, heart attacks, Blood clots, lung clots, leg clots, um, neurological events, 1,223 deaths, um, many of the deaths within 48 hours after the injection. Mm-hmm. So catastrophic, but also a full-on assault, knowing assault on human reproduction, both male and female, but especially female. They knew that the transplacental exposure to the vaccine, their words, would would kill babies basically in utero and, and, and sterilize women, um, in poison breast milk, horrible things. But anyway, the more 
you know, we now have 71 reports by these experts. We, they're published. They're all free on dailycloud.io. They all link to the primary source documents in Pfizer. So mm-hmm. like the Pfizer's own documents. So this is not opinion. The facts are right there. You know, you can see for yourself what Pfizer knew and did to human beings anyway. And the Moderna documents are just now being released by court order. So, um, so this is you know, a, a horrendous crime against humanity and people have to understand it because people are suffering from these deaths and side effects and, you know, miscarriages, not knowing what's wrong and their doctors are not telling them. So all that being said, um, the more especially we um, bring to light the intentional damage to fertility, not just in this generation, but into the next and possibly into the future, um, the more, uh, you know, two gov- three governments are going after us. So we've yeah. got uh, the CDC. As soon as we publish Report 69, Amy Kelly's report showing that um, Pfizer knew that the, you know, injection caused miscarriages and uh, poisoned breast milk. Um, and this eight-page <clears throat> document is linked in the report. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can see it for yourself. Uh, three days after that, Rochelle Walensky resigned um, because she had this report, right? They turned in the report on April 20th of 2021. Three days later, Dr. Walensky issued a White House press conference telling America that the American pregnant women that they she recommended that they take the vaccine. So she's a murderer. um, Clearly, I mean, it's not my opinion. It's right there in black and white. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then five days after that, uh, Ofcom, which is, as you mentioned, Britain's media watchdog, regulates media over there, which is pretty right. sad. Um, right. They had been, <laughs> they'd opened an investigation into me and Mark Stein and GB News in November of last year when I first brought um, these harms to pregnant women and babies and, and lactation to the, the British public. And uh, Seven months later, but three days after Dr. Walensky resigned, they decided I was guilty and Mark Stein was guilty and GB News was guilty of, quote, harm. And the, quote, harm in my case is not they didn't say it wasn't true. They didn't say my facts were wrong because they are right. Um, They didn't even mention the 3,500 doctors and scientists who are the authors of the reports. They said it was harm because what I was saying would cause um, people to change their medical practices. Hmm. And they were also, I'm sorry, if I may, I just need to add, because it's so ironic and tragic, um, (laughs) they were upset at me for calling it mass murder, even though it's 1,223 people died and they knew why, so I don't know what else to call it. Obviously, everyone needs a trial by jury of their peers, but it is certainly, you know, right. anyway, I I, I stand by my words. And then the last thing is that um, they were upset at me for saying that this was like the early years of the 1930s in Germany when doctors were enlisted to create a two-tier society and um, normalize um, kind of getting, you know, euthanasia, basically, euthanizing the quote-unquote life unworthy of life. And I'm Jewish, and my grandma lost nine brothers and sisters to the Holocaust. So, you know, I know what I'm talking about. I've studied the, the early years right before uh, 1933 in great detail. And what I'm saying is literally historically accurate, but they're upset about that as well. 
Uh, we're talking about Naomi Wolf. By the way, I was looking up while we're talking uh, the the book the book that about a year ago, right now. In fact, I bought it in the inside cover. I've written down. I bought it on May thirty first, twenty twenty two. The bodies of others: the new authoritarians, COVID nineteen, and the war against the human. It's a fascinating book. It's all of I think in some ways. Uh, Naomi Wolf, your um, background in ethics, your background in understanding policy, and then putting it on this it's an extraordinary uh, book. I, as Thank I you. congratulate you. But um, now let me transition a second to something. In the UK, it's even foreign for the Americans who now have, I think that we've seen that they tried to make a disinformation board, right? Then they failed. If, if you say failed means that they publicly retracted one of the people resigned or whatever. But, you know, we, then we see like the Durham report, not like we see the Durham report and we say mm. to ourselves, huh? Okay. Lots of people lying. I mean, at this point, right. you, you, you probably, if I can say, could have stood there in in your early years and said, I watched the Reagan administration and they, they had, by the way, it was adjudicated that a bunch of people lied about Iran Contra and about yes. some of the things. So, you you know, lying in government is not a distinguishing characteristic in history. The power right. <laughs> of the lie in government, when it's coupled with the media and tech and even academia going along, is what's, uh, you talk about authoritarian, it's beyond... Mm belief i mean where where do we end up well throw in doctors right he's like right, right. the whole medical establishment got co-opted right. and internationally not just in our country so what's your question everything you're well, saying is true yeah, my, question? my question is where do we go from here I mean, where, my question is, where do we go from here when, okay, we're going to, American people are getting on with their life and they're saying, man, it's hard to buy stuff and we're going to, you know, whatever. And they're, and they're being, and they're being inundated. You know, I'm sure you have a longstanding experience. The ACLU is ramping up nationally to make sure that parents don't have control, not just over abortion, but over vaccines, over whatever. I mean, and the ACLU is doing that. The ACLU is leading in Ohio. I'm, I'm expanding it a little bit, but I'm in Ohio on the, on the, uh, on the idea that parental c- control, parental consent should be limited. And, you oh know, my, I, gosh. my my point there is, you know, and I'll tell you, you'll appreciate it. We're talking with Dr. Naomi Wolf. I remember years ago, long before COVID, Phyllis Schlafly passed away before COVID. I went to her yeah. and I said, you know, Phyllis, we have people on uh, that are uh, eagles that some of them are believe that the hundred percent that there was corruption and that, that autism and other things are impacted by vaccines. And we have other people that say, this is keeping us safe. And Phyllis said, there's a lot on both sides. And she said, but here's the one line we have to draw. Parents have to have control over their kids' health care and vaccines. Right. And, right. and, but my point though is all these things are happening so fast. Um, and aided government is aided by, uh, uh, the media, big tech and, mm-hmm. and yeah. big media. How do we break out of that? I mean, how do we yeah. fight through that? Yeah, great question. I mean, it is all coming at us so fast. I, you know, I, I did conclude that the injections are a bioweapon. Um, right. And that, uh, you know, my evidence is that they were made in, with an MOU with the Chinese Communist Party and that CCP uh, with Pfizer's BioNTech, the subsidiary, created a billion doses and have created manufacturing and distributing plants in Western Europe and North America. So, you know, we now know the virus was uh, man-made um, in China. The the vaccine, you know, has the same ingredients and worse. Um, you know, spike protein is the same toxin, but lipid nanoparticles are, are you know, sterilizing. We now know that they knew, everyone knew in that space since 2017 that they were sterilizing. Um, and so yes, we're we're under attack. There is a war, um, and so what do we do? And so I I really want to credit you know my husband Brian O'Shea, who spent twelve years in military intelligence and subsequently in the intelligence community, and 
he has analyzed what's going on geopolitically. It is a war. Um, and so, you know, drawing from his guidance, what we really need to do is um, strengthen our communities locally uh, and at a state level and, you know, all the other things. Make sure we know where our food is coming from. Make friends with farmers. Um, Second Amendment is so important. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it is. <laughs> all of us need to know how to defend ourselves. Um, all of us need to follow every piece of legislation that affects our family. And you can use Bill Camp for that church and synagogue, you know, like we, we have to strengthen all of the places, town halls, where we can meet together without the mediation of our digital overlords because they want to um, lie to us. They want to uh, separate us. They want to control us. They want to harvest our data, surveil us, um, and, you know, absolutely uh, bring criminal charges and civil charges against school boards and government, government officials who are trying to, you know, mask our children, inject our children, um, uh, lie to our children. Um, and there are forms on Daily Cloud where you can to teach you to bring civil and criminal charges right. against them. So all of these things. But I guess the last thing I would say is I do think it's a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I do now, like I'm not proselytizing, but I do believe prayer is literally the only way we're going to keep these evil forces at bay in addition to everything else. Well, Dr. Naomi Wolf, thank you for being out there. That's what, a mark of your whole life in some ways is that you've, uh, when you found things that you believe in, you've been willing to be out there and have people question and ask questions. Usually it's more pleasant than maybe the last few years, but it sounds like you have uh, a great balance in, uh, in your family and your husband. So Dr. Naomi Wolf, let me say, make sure to say again, dailyclout.io. If you go, there's a lot of ways to click through and find out more about it. And also the body of others, the new authoritarians, COVID-19 and the war against the human is her most recent book about a year ago. Unfortunately, the only thing I missed, which is in, I went back and listened to the last interview with with you and we had about a 10 second conversation and i can't do it now because i'm out of time but it's about and i wish you would write on this because i think you could lead a lot of us and that you said something like you know what i'm printing out all of my bank records my credit cards because Ooh. if they shut us down uh, uh digitally you have to go show what you actually had and they'll say oh sorry you can't get into the cloud it's gone you know you're right. not allowed to go to the cloud but i don't have time for it sorry i hate right. to do that to you well, next you time we'll talk about that well. You summarize. I did want to say before I go okay. that the book, the Pfizer book, is available on. Oh, sorry. Amazon. Oh, that's fine. And also on dailycloud.io. Uh, so okay. it's the War Room Daily Cloud Pfizer Documents book. So very, okay, very life saving information. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Dr. Naomi Wolf. We will uh, talk again soon. Uh, and yes. we will take a break right now and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. I'll put up links to uh, the social media of what we talked about with her. Be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. John Schlafly joins us now here on the Pro-America Report. John was just out here in the swamp. He was out for the Phyllis Schlafly uh, annual patent event, which uh, we uh, celebrated some of the leaders in patents and talked about some of the uh, challenges going forward uh, in this during this week when he was here. And he did uh, push out a column during that time, and the column which ran over at uh, townhall.com, our sister site, and is available archived at phyllisschlafly.com. The title is GOP Should Demand End to Biden's Open Border. All right, John, uh, we're down to the um, down to the 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 end of the uh, week, though, here. And they're negotiating on who knows, as even as we're talking, what the status of the debt ceiling is. Uh, uh, you know, what's your sense of whether the Republicans are willing to hold the line on on questions of the border and funding in this debt fight? Or is this uh, a, a later you think they're going to kick the ball down the court? Um, well, I mean, everyone is watching this. I don't. Ed, I don't think there's anything about the border in there 
in the bill. You know, we suggested that they ought to draw a line and say, um, no, we're not no funding until the border is closed, because uh, the the the, the uh, illegal aliens who are swarming across the border. This is a tremendous cost to the federal government. It's obscured because um, the way it works is. Uh, most of these people are being resettled by NGOs who then get reimbursed by the federal government. So it's not a direct appropriation, but the money is going out to support these people and resettle them in communities across the country. And why are we doing this? There's no need for that. So, and, and you know, we, we start off by just pointing to the kind of an earthquake, as they call it, an earth, political earthquake. Yeah, this is a big deal. Yeah, d- yep, yep. Tell which us this. is a small country, let's face it. But, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, it's a member of the European Union and uh, uh, maybe a little bit like Italy a few years ago, Greece has been beset by people showing up on boats. and But they're not letting them land and they're turning them away. Uh, so... And the public applauds that. They applauded the turning away the people on boats by uh, giving a big vote to the party, which uh, is drawing the line on illegal immigration to Greece. So that's, uh, I would say that's a straw in the wind. That's a lesson that uh, politicians ought to pay heed to. This is where the public is. They don't want to have be swamped, uh, literally and figuratively, by um, People who are called migrants. I mean, that's a one-sided transaction, Ed. You know, immigration is supposed to be a mutual agreement in which the receiving country agrees to accept a certain limited number of people who pass uh, a strict test for their eligibility and qualification. You know, migrants don't get to come just because they want to. They've got to be. They've got to apply. Under rules, rules that were previously established, they have to comply with those rules. If not, they get sent back. I mean, isn't that pretty obvious? Isn't that what we all agree to? And yet we see what's happening and the rules are being flouted. Uh, we're talking with John Shapley. John, um, back for one second to this Greece uh, uh, example that you bring up. And, and the reason I want to go back to it is it, 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 it does seem like Donald Trump in 16 was able to make the issue work politically. Um, certainly he did, he did it in the primary, but I would argue that he also did it in the general because sort of Trump voters, you know, in places like, um, you know, the, the Rust Belt, so called, they just, they, they felt that they felt the guy that said build a wall gets the problem. But otherwise, I, We've had for decades, the Republicans especially, but politicians in general don't run on the issue, right? They somehow don't, they, the media, media makes it toxic. They call you a bigot. Is that the problem? But it, you just pointed out in, in Greece and across the country, you know, you see the, when the issue becomes out of control in say Italy, the parties, um, that have been, you know, that are able to stand up to the immigration onsl- onslaught end up winning. And so every time it is an issue, it's a winner for, I would say the sort of pro America or you know populist movement, but it doesn't seem to work very often. What what's going on here? Well, there's certainly a lot of money in both parties on this issue. Uh, uh, was the I'd say the the I mean the, the globalists uh, who finance both parties and uh, 
know, they basically are in favor of uh, greater immigration, greater than we have. Um, no, they may uh, have a, a few conditions, but but not many. I mean, they would never support somebody like Trump to say build the wall to keep them out. So, uh, and we've seen what happens, what's happened under the border, of southern border under Biden, and where's the hue and cry right. from powerful people? Right, well, we're not hearing it. Right. Um, well, and so that's really telling right there. And the only voices we've heard are from the Democratic mayors of New York and Chicago who complain about uh, Governor Abbott of Texas sending a few busloads of immigrants to, to their sanctuary cities. You know, they declare themselves sanctuaries, and yet when a couple of buses show up, they, you know, they raise a stink and said, send them somewhere else. Well, you know, of course, all of the people on all of the buses is only a drop in the bucket compared to the total numbers that have come over. There have been over 5 million. And only and and the numbers that have gone on buses to New York and Chicago are so maybe 25,000. So where, where did the other 4,900,000 go? Uh, we don't really know. Nobody's keeping track of that. I wish we did know. Um, I mean, they need to be watched. They need to have ankle monitors. They need to be booted out. They should, if if they've got a claim for asylum, they need to wait in Mexico until their number comes up. They should not be allowed to wait here. That was Trump's idea, and right. he was able to make that stick. And then, as you know, uh, Biden uh, reversed that on his first day in office. So uh, that's where we are now. Yeah, John. A couple things on that. One is. Um, one of the benefits of the of the Trump uh, uh, era and his messaging was it, I think it gave Americans a way to understand the debate in a way that didn't feel like mean. So it was like, hey, we're not saying you can't get asylum. We're saying until you get through the system, you got to wait in the country you're coming from or the first country you go to. And it kind of felt like, okay, that's reasonable, right? And I think that was an important shift in how people could feel because the, the, the I think it was the media, but all, you know, also our churches and others made it so, oh, you know, don't be mean, don't be anti-immigrant. Uh, but how do we, you know, one of the fears I have is that Biden's bet is that Americans will not have the stomach to send people back, right? They yeah. will, and and yeah. I think that 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 problem is significant, right? Well, it is significant. Now, you know, once or twice, uh, uh, Donald Trump promised that he would send them back, but he stopped saying that. So I'm not really sure where Trump is on that, to be honest. Right. Uh, but. Uh, if we don't send them back, you know, even if they eventually uh, have their asylum application denied, then do they go back? Um, uh, you know, nobody's answering. Nobody's willing to confront those questions. The uh, we're, and, talking with, we're, we're talking with John Schlafly, his column, which is uh, running over uh, uh, archived over phyllisschlafly dot com. Best place to get it now, probably, um, is uh, entitled uh, the. Um, 
the GOP should demand end to Biden's open border. Um, again, John, back to just a straight political question in the book, in the in the column, you refer to some of the actions, uh, Texas governor, uh, Florida governors that have uh, tried to stop some of this and try to address it. But, you know, up in Washington, uh, the swamp, uh, there's not real energy, right? There's not even real energy. So uh, we're just stuck with this, I guess, right? This is I mean, this is not going to be resolved until uh, the presidential election of 2024. Uh, well, once we get through the debt ceiling, uh, then we turn to other issues, I think. Now, um, you know, McCarthy has managed to, I would say skillfully, come up with a package of uh, of conditions to the debt ceiling. And he got that passed by a single vote in the House. And so we, I think we have to go with that for now until we get past the the debt ceiling deadline, and then we'll turn to other issues. And I think we should turn to immigration. I think the House should pass uh, something uh, to set limits on us, uh, asylum. So that's the one thing. Uh, of course, people, we're not, look, we're not going to take up what people call comprehensive immigration reform. That's totally out of the question because that's just a form of amnesty. Uh, but um, the the asylum racket, I would say, there's a loophole that unfortunately was put in under George W. Bush, and uh, which gives, I would say, greater rights to the applicants than they should have. The a whole asylum process ought to be completely controlled by the United States government. And we would set only a small number of people from the whole world who we would consider in any given year, like maybe 10,000. Uh, and then once that quota is uh, filled, then that's all. And the rest of you have to wait. I mean, that's the way it should be. The United States is not going to be the asylum, uh, no, the asylum for the world. But we have to realize that's what the ACLU believes. And they're in court right now suing Biden, if you can believe it. Wow. Uh, saying that even what Biden has done uh, should, be, uh, should be thrown out by a, an Obama-appointed judge where they filed this case because the ACLU's view is that anybody in any country in the world that is unhappy with their own government has the right to come to the United States and apply for asylum here and stay here while their case is being, while they wait for their case to come up. That's what the ACLU believes. And they've got cases in court before an Obama judge, which are tr- seeking a court order to, uh, to rule that way. So these are the enemies of America that we have to fight. So it's not just in Congress. It's not it's not just the Democrats in Congress as bad as they are, but it's the um, essentially the you know, forces that are using the courts to um, basically overthrow our government is how I would view it. Mm. And we've got to just we've just got to fight this on all fronts. It's not just in Congress, but it's in the courts. And we and our organization, as you know, Ed, have filed some amicus curiae briefs in some of these key cases, and we're going to keep doing that. Yeah, it's um, 
it's it's one of these ones, John, where it feels like it's oh, it feels like parts of it are just irreversible. That's the that's the worry I have. But um, but that's just a, I'm having a bad day and I'm 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 grumpy today. So John Schlafly, everybody, he writes a weekly column. John and Andy Schlafly, the Schlafly Report, uh, and it's over at uh, phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, it's archived there. This week's GOP should demand end to Biden's open border. Uh, a lot there. Thanks, John. As always. Thank you, Ed. All right. We will take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'll put a link up to uh, John's column uh, on my social media. Be right back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast launched by Phyllis Schlafly, who served as an articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Upholding that legacy and himself an author, national speaker and attorney, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Wellesley College, located just west of Boston, is known for two things, being extremely liberal and only admitting female students. One of my favorite videos of the late Phyllis Schlafly is a recording of a speech on feminism that she delivered at Wellesley a few decades ago. Not only was the speech itself fearless and fact-filled, but the question and answer time afterward showed Phyllis at her very best. However, Wellesley is clearly not at their best today as they struggle with their gender identity policy. Presently, both women and men who claim to be women are allowed to attend the supposedly all-girls school. The question they struggle with now is whether women who claim to be men should be allowed to enroll. The present policy excludes from admission women who claim to be men, which they refer to as trans men. But the student body took a non-binding vote saying that they want those trans men to be allowed to enroll. Their reasoning is that some women who believe that they are men will want to attend Wellesley so badly that they will hide their inner manliness in order to be accepted. Is all of this confusing enough for you? Here we see another hypocrisy in the prevailing position of the left. Trans women are women has been the rallying cry as they take over women's sports, restrooms, and every other women-only space. Yet now they claim that so-called trans men, who are actually women, should be able to claim both the privileges of being a man and the privileges of being a woman. This doesn't make any sense by the left's own corrupted logic, much less by reality. In truth, the hardcore leftists don't really care about facts. All they want to do is to destroy every women-only space in America. It doesn't matter to them how they do it. Wellesley already accepts men who claim to be women, but even that is not enough for the radicals. The lesson to be learned here is that you can never appease the left. If you give them an inch, they will not stop until they've taken the whole mile. Don't budge from objective truth, because it's a slippery downhill slope from there. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For more than 50 years, Phyllis led the fight against the dead-end road of radical feminism. Today, with the rise of so many savvy young conservative women, new voices are emerging. You're invited to voice your opinion on what's really important to women at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's talk lawfare for a moment. I don't know if I brought it up last week um, that um, 
Uh, Rudy Giuliani was sued in this defamation suit. I might have brought it up. I know I did a few interviews and it came up in different interviews I was doing. It's a defamation suit against it looks like his ex-girlfriend, maybe, or ex-paramour. Uh, now, he's not married anymore. He's divorced yet again. So I'm not sure there's anything wrong with that. Um, but it's a woman that worked for him, also may have been having an affair with him. I, I can't really tell. Um, but it's a big lawsuit and it's a defamation lawsuit. And it's a uh, um, it's a uh, um, a um Related to that is the fact that he's in a, in a lawsuit over the election stuff, and he's now spending tons and tons of time trying to figure out how to defend himself in this. Now, he's also said he doesn't have enough money uh, to uh, pay for some sort of discovery. My point is only this. There's a point where it's pretty clear that the left and the establishment, the regime, has try, is trying to destroy certain people. Trump has all these uh, charges against him, and and it's been admitted that the one woman that was suing him for defamation, she she has having her uh, her case paid for, a high power high powered lawyers paid for by a big donor, a, a liberal liberal donor. And same thing, I think, with Rudy. I mean, here's the thing: lawfare it's it's getting out of control, and. It's making it very difficult for normal people to want to serve in public life. Now, I said this over and over again. Jeff Clark is a very accomplished lawyer. And if he had stopped practicing law in and out of government about 20, say, 19, he would have been at a big law firm and had been an expert on different aspects of federal law and regulatory law and making a great living. But he stayed in office and worked for Trump. And because he was working for Trump, he's been targeted with bar complaints and lawsuits and grand jury investigations. My point here is, I don't think he did anything wrong except being associated with uh, Trump. And therefore, he's paying a price for that. That's a problem. You're, we're starting to really see political opponents targeted, hunted down through lawfare. Very bad for our country. All right, we got to run, unfortunately, out of time. Thank you, Noah Dingley. Thank you, uh, Ryan Height. We'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego.